little girls. This seems to say. Do you? Do you? I beg your pardon. Are you ill? But Robert Ford would only lay on the floor and look at the ceiling, the light going out of his eyes before he could find the right words. Okay then. Okay then. Okay then. Whatever are you doing? Hello and welcome to Spoilerama. I'm Mick Jordan. And I'm Marina Gorski. You sure it's recording, right? <laughs> I'm sure it is, but as soon as you say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is what happens when we just do it ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we're in the studio. Yeah. So that's why we have to run back Last into the studio. Last week we were as well. Oh, yes. But it's great to be here. <laughs> it's bloody hot in here. Anyway, um, we're here to talk about 2001 A Space Odyssey unrestored 17mm version. <laughs> so it was great to go and see a film in the iFi that is on film. Again, yeah, 72mm. And the last one was Lawrence of Arabia. Now, you didn't notice that so much that it was, you weren't conscious of it being a film, as in film rather than digital at that time. No, I did. I, this is what I told you. The, you can see the quality is different. Mm-hmm. There's definitely like a grain to it. Uh, same thing with this. And well, very much so with this. Yeah. So it's, it's, you do notice a difference but when it comes to colour mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Right. It's not that much. Technical terms there. Yeah. Yes. Um, but this is as well, as they say, unrestored. And I did notice that there are some scenes where the colour is faded. OK. Like you see, this is what Christopher, like Christopher Nolan's released this, particularly some of the scenes with the apes. Um, now, while I was distracted at points because you kept comparing, that's you, that's you. But while I was watching the film... <laughs> Um, I did notice like the background, the sky in the background of something seemed yellowy and things like that. So there was a lot of that that the print had faded in certain parts. Um, But were you conscious of it any more so than Lawrence of Arabia? No, because I just sat down and just watched it. If you get me, I I wasn't looking for anything. You just got caught up in the film itself. Yeah. So I wasn't really looking for it. Like I I liked I liked how it looked a lot. Yeah, as in the whole visual yeah, style of it. And obviously, I, ha- I have seen t- this film before. It was ages ago that I saw it. Um, I think we actually saw it in school the first time. And then I saw it at home. Um, because for some reason, someone compared it to Willy Wonka. The, the oh, Tim Burton okay. Willy Wonka. I have no idea why. I can't remember <laughs> why no either. Connection. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but they, they, I can't remember why. Anyway, doesn't matter. I don't know why I mentioned it. So... Before, when you're watching it in kind of digital remastered. Yeah, just video, basically, yeah. DVD or whatever. Um, you don't really notice. It actually looks more futuristic, more sleek. Mm-hmm. And this just looks so cool and indie. Yeah, well, it looks, it's very much a clearly a 1960s impression of the future. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's set in our past, effectively. It's 2001, yeah. but it's still it's still futuristic. Yeah. Oh, it's kind of like Teletubbies. I know I'm comparing oh it and this. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing like, Char- <laughs> I dare to compare it to <laughs> Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but Teletubbies, yeah, it's uncanny. Because <laughs> they're spacey. No, no, not because that. But because that's what 
the Teletubbies, when you go into, I, I used to watch it when I was like five and then my mum said no. God bless <laughs> you, Andre. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll tell you later what she actually said about it when she turned off the TV and almost slapped me for watching it. God uh, bless you, Andre. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but inside their little hut. You can see there's all these tube tubes and stuff like aluminium foil and right. what they thought was looking like the future, the future, like robots and stuff, which is hilarious because it's nothing like that at all. No. <laughs> well, if I was saying that's the Teletubbies view of the future, or you're talking about 2001's view of the future. Both. Right. Well, that's yeah, why I'm well, comparing them yeah. because it's not really like that, even though they had this. Well, to be honest, a lot of films now had the same style of spaceship that they that the. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was reminded of Star Wars very much. Yeah, but I was reminded as well of, I know, here's another great comparison, passengers, because of the spaceship and the way they they were running around. Yeah. And if you see the outside of the the spaceship in passengers, I think you can see that it starts turning as well. Yeah. Everything is turning, even though you don't notice inside the spaceship it's turning, but there it's turning. Obviously, in this one, you do because they kept running around. Yeah. And going over and on walls and stuff, which I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Well, that well, you see, Passengers, is, I'd say, is deliberately um, doing a homage to 2001. Yeah, it's not is, just yeah. they came up with the same idea. They've, they're linking to it. Um, but it is because it is very much, it's a dated future, is what I would say. Because as I said, every, this was the concept always back then. Everything in the future is going to be big when, in fact, everything is small. Yeah. Like, you know, your iWatch everything is small into phones and so on. Whereas you would imagine, like if they had the concept of mobile phones and they would have these big bulky things. Yeah. That would be down to your waist or something like that or probably carrying around in a suitcase. I think you even have something like that at one point. Don't they bring in a phone and a bag or everything and something else? I think, well, there's a lot. Well, I mean, remember as well when he rings his daughter and he goes into the, like it's FaceTime. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's in a phone booth. Like oh gone, yeah, yeah, like all these sort of things. And but what's what I thought was funny was that girl is effectively you because she's it's two thousand and one, and she's six. <gasps> that's true. Because <laughs> it's Dan, it's Kubrick's daughter. That is me. She's six I year am old. Kubrick's so daughter. After she was six years old when they filmed. That I am scene. Kubrick's daughter. No, you're the scientist's daughter in two thousand one. Marina Kubrick. That's okay. that's, <laughs> you've that's you've done something here, Mick. Now you can't take it back. Yeah. Okay, amazing because we were born. Well, no, I think he was still alive when you were. <laughs> Very short overlap. But th- th- I shouldn't have gone that way. Though, you know, you shouldn't have. <laughs> but I would say of it. All that, like, it's all very futuristic. But the one thing that's really striking for me on the futuristic, it's also bland and banal. There's yeah. no the dialogue is. Totally perfunctory. There is very little. Well, I don't think it's about that. No, it's not. And what I thought was really good was that even at that time, he managed to imagine that robots would take over and that they would have their own mind. Oh, yeah. Which is the worry. Not the worry now, but like there is that thing and everyone talks about, you know. AI and things like that. Yeah. Which was his last film that he was going to make and then Spielberg took it over because he died. Yeah. So I think think there he was like very... um, Forward thinking. Mm-hmm. So I, I I really liked that, that the, the little robot was yeah. 
evil. Yeah. And no, but, but even at the end when your man was going to disconnect, not at the end, in the middle, when he was going to disconnect him, he's like, no, let's talk about this. Yeah. Or like he has his, he's a, his own mind. Yeah. So oh, it's, yeah. And it's so sinister because he yeah. talks in the same tone all the time. Yeah. He is a computer, but it's basically he's false. It's like Google Translate. Like that. He's trying to... <laughs> That's, that's probably every you see everything Peter is saying he was very forward thinking no everyone's copied him yeah. all said, oh, what's in, what have we not taken from 2001 yet uh, but what I mean about the whole banality of the is it's deliberate that the talking is like the astronauts themselves they don't really have conversation yeah. with anything it's all the job Yeah. but that's deliberate to take you away from and make it all cold and sterile the whole atmosphere and create and this is what made it people's reaction at the time this is so boring it is boring if you're in that frame of mind it's fascinating if you're just watching it for what it is it's yeah. a visual yeah. concept it's a whole concept the whole film yeah and in, you know the bit that's the third section like it's all in sections with the whole um, where he goes through the wormhole and all the yeah. lights flashing yeah. and so on apparently in the because this was the 60s bear in mind initially it was flopping very badly and they were going to pull it until people, the cinema owners noticed the same people were coming every week to see it. And they were all hippies. And what they were doing was there was a oh, lot of... Oh, they were smoking and going... heads of drugs <laughs> and going in and waiting for that bit. And apparently they used to block book the front few rows and sit there for the whole film. And then when it came to that last section, they'd all get up and sit right in front of the screen. <laughs> this is it. It's all right. So it was... And, and they'd probably be like... Ah. Yeah. And you know, the other film... That was a huge hit in the 60s for that generation, for that group of people. No. Fantasia. <laughs> for the same reason, they all went out. They all would say, this is great stuff, man. <laughs> they all got out of their heads and Potter went into the cinema. What did he say? But that's our very, next experience. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's what if I imagine doing that in the IFI. <laughs> Whatever about shoulder on the that's head on the shoulder. That's why it was packed. <laughs> and I thought it was a funny smell. <laughs> so, um, but yet, like, what I just think is so funny is the fact that they cater to that. Yeah. Like, this is, a, oh, let's keep it on release. Let's keep the druggies coming yeah. in every week to watch the film. So. They should have said to them, tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> they probably, bring when you wake them, up, yeah. when you wake up, bring more and more. And imagine we'll give you brownies. When you... Let's just show the last reel over <laughs> and over again and get all that in because it's such a long film. Um, so. Do you enjoy the experience? Oh, yes, very again? much. Yeah. Like, and did it improve dramatically for seeing it on the cinema? Well, yeah. yeah it's I just, think so, even with, and with the packed yeah, that helps too. cinema, it's just the atmosphere is just so great and it, yeah. it adds to the tension of it as well. No, it was it was really, really good. Yeah. Well, like, like, I mean, I'd seen it several times over the years, never seen it, I think, in the cinema. Yeah. And it was very fresh and new. It just really, like, you don't care what it's about by yeah. the end of it. Oh, no, you and don't. The only thing that gives me the heebie-jeebies, you can imagine the scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you said it. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Watch this. Yeah. Yes. Even thinking about it is your man floating through space. Yeah. Well, it just spins. Yeah, that's my pet peeve. And, and I did like, that that the contrast between like there would be him and Dave in the ship and then the guy outside or something happening outside and total silence when they went to space because there is no sound in space. Yeah. This is the point. But it wasn't really it was just it's known now, but it wasn't known then. Yeah. It was obviously concluded. But it made it so much more realistic and very dramatic without being a gimmick. Do yeah. you see what I mean? Like yeah. it just went from normal noise to total silence for a second and it was a shock each time. And very effective use yeah. of realism. Yeah. I loved so, it. Yeah. So what would you give 
as a review, well, you haven't really reviewed the film. It's a classic, but as an Ten. experience, yeah, I would give it a five star. Five star experience seeing it yeah. on 70 millimeter. Especially because it was my dad that made it. Of course, yeah. You've started something here, <laughs> Mick. <laughs> I apologise, Alfred. <laughs> no wonder Andrea was stopping you from watching Teletubbies yeah. and things like that. <laughs> you might find out. I'm also Kurt Cobain's daughter. Okay. I have told you about this, haven't I? That no. My dad, when he was younger and he had the long hair, he was... Everyone thought comp- he was Kurt Cobain. Yeah, people compare him to Kurt Cobain when he was younger. Okay. I don't know which is least likely or more likely, Kubrick or Cobain. <laughs> They're both my daddies. Yeah, that's where all the talent yeah. went. <laughs> it died with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Okay, so we'll move on to our challenges. Yeah. And I challenged you. What did I challenge you to? Just Spike I keep Lee. forgetting. Spike Lee. Jesus. Uh, to a Spike Lee film. And I think I've seen them all. So I'm curious to see what one you went for. What did you pick? The one you actually mentioned to me. She's got to have it. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's first one. Oh, yes. It's on Netflix anyway, isn't it? Well, yeah. Um, because I went into Netflix. I'm sick of going into the internet and pirating films. Good. Yeah. You're sick of breaking the law. <laughs> it was not only that. It's just it takes ages. And then you have to close so many tabs every time you press play or whatever. It's yeah. just it's so annoying. Now, I only obviously I only do it for films that can't be found. Otherwise. Can't be found. But I was also choosing the hardest ones to find. So I just said, no, just go into Netflix, write it spikely and just watch whatever you find. And is that so, the only one that's there? No, I think there's a, f- a few more. Okay. Um, but I, because you mentioned that one, I said... And because I described it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, no, I'm going to I'm gonna watch this one. And I loved it. It's yeah. absolutely br- brilliant. It's so feminist in a oh, way. Yeah, that's what I was and saying to And I was like, you. this is fantastic. Because it's, it's obviously, it, it's a... A black film. When mm-hmm. did he make it? Nineteen. It's it's nineteen eighties. I think yeah. I was still in school. So at that time, there'd still be a little bit, you know, oh, an all black cast. Kind oh well, of thing. it was well. You see, it was a black revolution at the time. There was a number of filmmakers coming. He was the main one. Yeah. But there was Mario Van Peebles as well, and people and like that. And it's so feminist. And I thought this is yeah. absolutely brilliant. And and he talks about even LGBT. Like he talks about the lesbian girl mm-hmm. who likes her, and they talk about it so openly and naturally and. She's so sure of her sexual life as well. And I thought, this is absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. And the men as well. I felt like they thick off the lot of yous. Well, they're hilarious. Yeah. Like, I mean, because they're so distinctive, the characters. D- of different. Yeah. Like yeah. the man who f- f- carefully folds all his clothes away. Before, and she's there. And she's there. And <laughs> As he's undressing and then he folds everything, puts it on the chair and then goes into the cement, which is funny because even the shots then afterwards of them having sex are kind of stills. And he's always like, it's it's just the same position, just in different parts of the bed, because you can see he's very methodic. It looks like he's very like, okay, do it here. Now here. And the fact that it's in photographs means yeah. he's just stopped. No, no, I don't think it's in photographs, but it, it looks like still. Oh, yes, I do remember. Yeah, it's yeah. so long since it's But yeah, it's very and, rapid cutting. Yeah, and oh, it's just, I just thought it was, it was so good. And even the, um, the other guy, Mars, the kind of cool guy, and he, he loved what he said, I have $50 shoes and I have no job. I was like, <laughs> yes, I relate to that. <laughs> is that that's not the character Spike Lee plays himself? 
I never seen Spike Lee. Well, Spike Lee is one of the three. He's the one who um, tries to. Nola Darling is her yeah. name, isn't it? Um, he's the, he's in the one. You know the color sequence, which is the. Yeah, oh ball. yeah. That's Spike Lee. Oh okay, so he's Jamie. Right. So he's the the more normal guy who just yeah. wants the love. Yeah. Um. Oh, he's he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Spike Lee, <laughs> you're fire. <laughs> Okay, well, you were 30 years ago. <laughs> I'll look him up. <laughs> Defo. Um, I love you, John. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually thought that was brilliant, the coloured scene as well. Yeah. Like, it was just because it was so... It kind of made it surreal. Well, it's In a, a way, it's because a, it was a, a dance scene. And it's straight reference to Wizard of Oz, because the Wizard of Oz is in black and white until they go to Oz. Like it starts off black and white, then it's when she yeah. goes into Oz, it's all down to color. Oh, that. I remember at the time because obviously I was big into 1930s films. So when I saw that, I loved that bit. The fact and the colors were so vibrant in yeah. it as well. And I didn't mind the black and white. Like the black and white, because it's made in film, it's very cheap. It's a very cheaply made film. I think it costs half a million or something like that, or even less. It costs his first film costs next to nothing because everyone worked for free and the whole lot. So yeah. it's really cheap stock and the whole lot. And that color then is so striking when it comes out. Yeah. No, so. I just, I really, really enjoyed it. Re- I want to see all his other films. Well, you know, there's a series called She's Got to Have It on Netflix as well. That's really? why the film oh, yes. is there. It's yes, I saw it and it's a newer, a newer oh, it's series. Recent, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. basically inspired by that 30 yeah. years later or whatever. That is but, great. Uh, but that, I remember when it came out and it was, ironically said it because that's exactly what we focused on, the feminist aspect of it. These, yeah. We were teenagers, like 17 or 18, myself and friend, good socialists and we're all and also into black power. This is when rap was coming into the public enemy and all this was coming to the fore. So we were all into these good Right on causes. I can't imagine you listening to Public Enemy. Really? Yeah. What? And uh, <laughs> so I, I, next time you come to Kells, I'll just sit there, put the record on, just calmly listening. Hmm. Hmm. Party for your right to fight. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I it, love Public Enemy. I still love Public Enemy. Okay, interesting. I must shocked. tell John this. <laughs> Does he not like Public Enemy? No, he might slag you for liking Public Enemy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't mind it. I don't think. Right. But just the image of you listening to to rap. I went yeah. to see them at Electric Picnic. In fact, I left oh, Arcade Fire picnic. to see. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're okay, really anyway, on a roll you're, here. I'm interested to hear your yeah, challenge. So while I set you off in the wonderful world of she's got to have it, you sent me into the wonderful world of chalet girl. I haven't seen I that. Have you you always pick these weird the, 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 underground. Not it's under, not like, underground. That's mainstream. Okay. This well, is I've never Felicity heard Jones. Of Bill Nighy is oh, in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, this the problem I had was I'd unfortunately seen most of them. Like all the Richard Curtis crap, I've ended up seeing, and I said, "Could I just say I've watched, merge them all into one blob and say, can I just?" review that no. so I had to go and watch this piece of crap and again it was Netflix I just did a search and this was one of the ones that came up and I said oh yeah I know of it I heard of it when it came out and it's basically this working class girl who used to be a skateboarder um, in her early teens and she was going to be on to be a champion skateboarder and so on and then when they were coming back from a championship her mother her father and herself they crashed and her mother was killed and she's never got over it. Her father has never got over it. And he's down and out effectively at home, not 
drinking but just can't really motivate himself so she has to look after him she's working in a chipper now and she's desperately looking for another job and she gets offered a job as a chalet girl in Austria because there's no one else there the time she goes for it and they, what they want is the posh um, society Princess Diana type person to go and do this job so she's totally out of her depth and that's it but she struggles on through and of course she discovers um, what's the skateboarding equivalent on skis? You know, skis? the <laughs> ski bo- is a ski boarding or something. No, oh, not skiing. Oh, um, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> no, no, no. Shh, shh, I know it. I know it. my dad does it. I did it. <laughs> ah, ah. Okay, I'm sure it'll come ah, to you by the end of the podcast. Snowboarding. Snowboarding. So, <laughs> do you know what my process was to figure that out? I was like, ski, ski, you do that on snow, snow, snowboarding. <laughs> that, that was well, it worked. <laughs> so, and of course, it's so obvious as soon as she <laughs> goes out into the snow and she's a champion skateboarder. Oh, I wonder what she'll do when she's there because she can't ski. This whole thing, she's no concept of snow, wor- snow sports or anything like this. And then suddenly she sees someone doing this, still doesn't hit her until someone suggests it to her. Why don't you try this? And she becomes and it's the whole thing of she goes for a competition. Meanwhile, the very rich family headed by Bill Nighy that she works for as a chalet girl, because she basically has to maintain this chalet with this very posh other girl um, has the son of the family is engaged to be married to this very hoity toity posh woman who is nasty to her and she falls in love with him and he secretly falls in love with her. And. It's just monumentally predictable. Okay, it's on on Netflix. I highly recommend it. Not. (laughs) It's just, it's, it's harmless enough. Like, I mean, it's no worse. It's better than all the Richard Curtis things, but only because it doesn't try to be any different, anything other than it is. It realizes practically from the start, this is fluff, nonsense. Let's just go through all the cliches. At one point, it suddenly dawned to me, there's nothing even remotely funny here. Like they're not even attempting jokes. Yeah. They're just a simple, silly little story. Yeah. And the big jokes are occasionally she falls over in the snow. Mm-hmm. So it's a, <laughs> it's a film for people to just watch. Oh, this is pleasant. Eat my meringue. That sort of thing. It's <laughs> trivial toss. So please don't ever do that to me again. Do watch it though yourself. Maybe. Uh, uh, maybe I oh, will. Maybe it's American rom-coms you need now. Okay. <laughs> We're moving from challenge to attacks. Yeah. <laughs> Come up with something vicious to set each other. Okay. So we'll leave it there then, happily. And we'll move on to this week's challenge. Now, we're not going to do it on the next podcast because we're going to do a special for my birthday. Yeah. On Les Amants du Pont Neuf. Yay. So and that's it. we're not going to waste our time talking about challenges in that episode because we won't have time to get them seen because <laughs> you're going away as well. Yeah. So for two weeks time, we'll say our challenge will be um, my challenge to you. Well, what's your challenge to me? I'm trying to remember what my challenge to you is. Your, my challenge to you is to see a film that has to do with art. Something, oh, yes. You, something you, to do with art. I remember you saying something about that before. Yes. And my challenge to you is to watch a classic film that you haven't seen before. Like, because there are, you said, something like Gone with the Wind you haven't seen. Don't watch, you don't have to watch Gone no. with the Wind. But it's that sort of, like, a highly acclaimed film. 
Yeah, but you said of any era. Any era, like that's the thing, gone between. It can be the 70s, can be 80s, can be recent. So, but one that is recognized I know, as a I know, thing. So. Yeah, I know exactly which one to go. I think I do too. <laughs> don't do that. Which one? Godfather. No. All right. Then don't tell me. Because <laughs> that was the one I thought of as soon as, soon as I was thinking of this. But that's the concept of like from as far back as mm. Gone with the Wind to Godfather. No, no. It's, uh, it's, anything else beginning with G. It's one we have. <laughs> we have mentioned it before a while ago in the podcast. Okay. So I said, no, I'll, I'll watch that one, actually. Right. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Um, looking forward to Les Amants du Pont Neuf, which we're going to see in original 35mm. We've just done 2001 and 70. Now we're seeing the film in 35. Yay! So thank you for listening. I've been Mick Jordan. And I've been wearing... Blah, 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 blah. Woo! Okay. <laughs>